developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. It's time for the Steve and Kyle podcast with Kyle. God, that menace of Shike is probably sitting at home going, ooh, the mid's a little bit off. <laughs> Did you see Shike posted a picture? Dan Shike, a uh, big, big fan of this podcast. Uh, the, the feeling is not reciprocated. Oh, God, we might be just stealing money from poor musicians constantly to go turn some knob. And Steve... I guess I could plan a trip yeah. across the state for no reason just so I can listen for a couple more hours. I mean, my family doesn't need me at home. i right. got to listen to murder murder mysteries. I, I really do appreciate that, and this has, been a, this has been a ton of fun. I was kind of nervous at first, but I, you guys are very easy to talk to. Yeah, no, Ben, listen, we, are, man, we are the least professional people you'll ever speak honestly. to. Honestly. Live on tape from APS 3 point whatever, it's the Steve and Kyle podcast. Thank you, Melissa. Greatly appreciated. Well, that was a, that was a joy last week. I enjoyed talking to somebody different. Talking to Ben. Yeah, I had some uh, nice comments. Regarding that interview, Steve, that we did, that's uh, that's always very pleasant to to read because yeah. we're in a new spot there now. You're kind of you're you're more proxy to interviews when those happen on the side gig, right? You're for the most part you're not directly I involved, I right? Don't really, uh, it's rare that I will chime even, in, even speak up. So it's a little bit of a a new item. So to to hear positive feedback on our interview with with Ben podcast algorithm last week was was very nice to hear so. yeah if you missed it go back listen to it it was a fun uh, a fun interview ben was a good guy to talk to lots of insight on that yeah. whole uh just a ridiculous story yeah i mean just the the ineptitude on so many levels of people having information that they need or that Ugh. they that could be useful to them and just ignoring it honestly i haven't listened to the latest episode though I'm uh I'm now an ep- I'm now a week behind on that, so I'm gonna have to listen to that this weekend. Just some some genuinely chilling audio in that yeah. podcast oh, when boy. got his hands on the the confession audio and video of of this crazy confessed serial murderer. So please go back if you didn't check that out. Our again our 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 interview with Ben Kubrick from the podcast algorithm last week. Yeah, that um, podcast is uh, drops on Tuesdays. I think there's six episodes of it. Yeah, they're, so there's a handful, but they're short. Yeah, they yeah. They, they go quick. That's the key. You're not, you know, they're, they're not marathons, which that seems to be the more the thing with these serialized stories. I guess is that they're shorter. Um, yeah, I like that too because for me, forty minutes is the sweet spot because that is to work and home from work. It's twenty minutes there, twenty minutes back. I can listen to half of it on the way into work, listen to the other half on the way home from work, and it's like it's perfect. I love that. It's um, 
Yeah, different wheelhouse. And that's, you know, kind of what we've been doing this for five years, Steve, which mm -hmm. is, is one absurd to think about. Yeah. I had somebody at my work. I've made jokes that I'm going to start a podcast about just inane stuff. Um, I was going to start a podcast called Apples to Apples, where I rank apples on a <laughs> weekly basis. Okay. Kind of a mix of What's my enjoyment of apples. I mean, Honeycrisp has got to be the number one seed. Steve, I I'm glad God you if asked. You say Red Delicious. I'm glad you asked. My number one, if I remember my top three correctly. Should I go three to one, actually? Yeah, of course. Obviously, makes sense. Uh, Wait, hold on. Do we have like a fanfare oh, sound? Yeah, did you load something? it on there? <laughs> I don't oh, know. Yeah, that doesn't, uh, hold on. Oh, there we go. That would be like if one surprises you. Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> All right. Um, Steve, my number three. The Golden Delicious. Oh, Golden Delicious. Yeah. I haven't had a Golden Delicious in ages. A nice hearty green, not as cr crunchy as your run-of-the-mill apple. I really enjoy that flavor. It's not over the top. Okay. Like a lot of, a lot of apples will get you. Um a delight, a delightful apple. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to be in a lot of people's top three. No. Holds a special place in my heart. Again, number three, the Golden Delicious. Okay. Number two. <laughs> uh, now, just to be clear, we have two sound effects <laughs> on this new mixer. <laughs> That's it. Our options are rather unlimited, yeah. it seems, between <laughs> these two. Just a range of emotions can be yep. portrayed with these two. Uh-huh. All right. The so number two apple, Steve. The Honeycrisp. Oh, there we go. I, look, top three for Honeycrisp. That's all I care about. So it's a valid argument that I, when I was talking about this with a coworker, the Honeycrisp was a one-trick pony. You can't use the Honeycrisp for baking. The Honeycrisp is more of an eating apple, yeah. which I understand, more tart. but I'm less interested in baking apples than I am eating apples i don't know man an apple pie is it, it's hard to beat a warm apple pie with a nice scoop of vanilla ice cream but on do top you of make it. your own apple pie steve or are you buying the apple i don't pie? i don't think i've ever made my own and that's the thing i don't care because yeah. i'm not making it so i don't really care if the honey crisp is good for it because whatever yeah. the people or the mass production companies use to make those pies keep doing what who, you're doing who am i to think that i could make a better pie than sarah lee sarah lee's been pumping out pies for what a hundred years yeah, that's right. Steve and Kyle are going to fly in the face of a hundred years of Sara Lee pie history. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll put that in the poll. Who could make a better pie, Steve and Kyle or Sara Lee? Oh, Sara uh, Lee. I'm yeah. 100% on her side. You, you know, better, I'll tag them, too. You better vote Sara Lee. Um, yeah, right. the, the Honeycrisp, though. I mean, the one thing I get tired of with the Honeycrisp is every year I feel like it's Closer and closer to like four dollars per apple. They are a bit a bit pricey. They are the most finicky apple to grow, yeah. and I think apple growers hate them because they are so difficult to grow. But they're so popular yeah. that they have to grow them. When I did Apple Day like a month and a half yes. ago, when I was uh, um, when I hit my plateau on the diet, I did five Honeycrisp apples that yeah. day, and sure, it cost me like nine bucks, but. It was a sound investment. I ate the entire day for nine bucks. That's pretty good. Pretty good deal. Uh, I love the Honeycrisp. Now, let me, before we, uh, you reveal your number one apple yeah, yeah, yeah. here on Applecast. Uh, this um, is apples to apples. Apples to Thank apples. You. Right. Of course. Silly. If you want to sound dumb, call it Applecast. You could do a hashtag Applecast, maybe. 
if Apple you're chat. Po- if you're posting about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Are you a just grab the apple and and dive right in, or are you slicing it? Because I used to be a dive right in kind of guy, but lately, yeah, slicing it, I feel like the apple yield is so much higher. I get so much less waste. Sure. Because you know how when you bite into it, inevitably it kind of has like that shape where there's still a bit on the top, still a bit on the bottom, and then the middle is is all cored out from from eating it. Yeah. But I, mean, I feel like, I don't know, I'm, I like cutting it because then I can really precisely cut out the core, maximizing the apple. Sorry, I'm putting that on the poll as well. How do you eat your apples? Do you dive right in? Or slice it. Okay. Um, and you, I don't. Uh, I don't do those. Uh, you don't have the slicer. You're, you're I manually don't, slicing. I don't because uh, they're they're very useful. They're a wonderful gadget. Absolutely. But it's a one size fits all. Yes. And in many cases, that's not ideal in because general, some of those you, honey crisps are kind of small. Yep. You're and gonna. You, you leave. Use, a, you have some apple waste. Exactly. Yeah. And I am all about maximizing the apple. Sure. I. I here's the thing with that that you don't really care about when you're younger. And you shouldn't really care about it when even older it doesn't terribly matter but there's something to be said about getting like you talked about to that weird spot in the apple where it feels like your top lips wrapped around mm-hmm. the side and you're like trying to unhinge yeah. your bottom jaw to then like like do an underbite motion yeah yeah it you get to a weird spot and, and then god forbid if i get a little piece of that core oh it's it ruins the whole bite how do, is there any other food that goes from good <laughs> to horrific in that quickly like i mean there it's like it's like a retaining wall hey flavors on this side the garbage is right here yeah i don't think so i mean it's really no surprise though that horses munch it all down yeah just just the dumbest all right so with that being said yeah see my number one apple the cosmic crisp I don't know, A, that I've ever heard of that. Oh, well, I know Steve. for a fact I've never had one. Steve, Steve, Steve. Let me can tell I just you, get them at the store? You can. Let me tell you about the Cosmic Chris. This is a new apple on the scene, okay? <sighs> so this is a Washington exclusive. This is part of, they breed. State or D.C.? State. I don't okay. know if, is Washington, D.C. known for apples? They got apple trees there? <laughs> oh, yeah, tons. A lot tons, of apple yeah. trees. Yeah. Don't worry. It'll be on the poll as well. Are there apple trees in what? Is Washington, D.C. known for their apples? Absolutely. Um. You heard it here first. This is part of a breeding program, tree breeding program. Treating. In, that's it. what it is, what they call it. In the state of Washington that they spent, honestly, billions of dollars on. The Cosmic the Crisp. The Cosmic oh, Crisp. Okay. And so the Cosmic Crisp is a blend. And it is a, I'm trying to. Um, I'm assuming Honey Crisp is where Honey the Crisp, crisp is from. part of it. Where does the Cosmic come from? Enterprise and Honeycrisp variety apple. So what they've done is they've taken the crunch of the Honeycrisp and that flavor that everybody wants with the Honeycrisp apple, Mm -hmm. but they've made it so that they can grow them a lot more easily and that they last longer. So Mm. ideally they don't have this. Well, Sarah, we washed out 85% of our uh, apple crop this year. So they're, again, they're this expensive. These apples weren't released until until 2019, Steve. Wow. They bred they started breeding them in 1997. It was like 
two or three years ago, and I forget the magazine or, or newspaper. It was one of the big ones, you know, whether it be the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, whatever. They had like a multiple thousand word piece about this apple and how cosmic much it, crisp. the cosmic crisp. If you haven't, I highly recommend so checking it out at your store. Oh, I've had plenty. Where plenty. Uh, Where are you getting them from? You can get them at the store. Just in a bag at yep, the store. You can get a bag or they'll be loose. Um, they're very popular. But they're oh they're so worth your time, Steve. I, I, I so the two I stores that are close to us. Yeah. Yep. Normal thing to have them in stock. Absolutely, there should be no reason you can't you wanna, find yourself. You want to push this interview back like twenty a, minutes or so and just run to the store together? Just <laughs> leave the podcast. Do we have a music bed that's like twenty five sure. minutes yeah. long? Yeah, well, I'll just put something on loop like we did with the intro last week. That's right. Hey, you fixed it. Yeah. Hi. You know things I don't even notice behind yeah. the scene. Yeah, <laughs> fixed it all. We are good. Granted, we don't know if this is actually recording this week, but no, hey. no, no. We'll find that out after the fact. If you just, if there's a video posted of Steve and Kyle sobbing <laughs> because nothing posted, you'll know it didn't work. Yeah. Um, I mentioned last week. I'm very excited for this. This is going to be a fun one because I don't, it's so weird to call something like this fun, and that I'm looking forward to it because what we're going to discuss is such a weird scenario. It's a very sad story. So this morning. We're going to be talking to, hopefully, our new friend, John Walczak. Now, John has released two seasons of kind of investigative journalism-style podcasting. Yeah. first season was called Missing in Alaska, regarding the 1972 uh, plane disappearance. You can't even call it a plane crash because no evidence of this airplane was ever found in Alaska with congressmen on it mm-hmm. that has never been solved and... That was a that's a fascinating tale, yeah. and his most recent efforts right now have revolved around somebody who went missing on nine eleven. That's the title of season two of this podcast. It's called "Missing on Nine Eleven," which is kind of I can't say that's a lie, but this is about a story of a woman who actually went missing on nine ten. Sneha Philip, Sneha and Philip, Doctor Sneha Philip. When missing in New York City, last seen around 5 or 6 p.m. on September 10th, feet away from the World Trade Center. Right. She lived, uh, I think I think he said, 900 feet from, yes. in a from lot the of, towers. In a lot of the famous 9-11 footage that you see either on the news or on YouTube, wherever it is, you can see the apartment building that she and her yep. husband lived in. So... The Yeah, and the crazy thing that makes this story so unique is that it's not a story of somebody who was in the towers on 9-11. Right. There's no that, evidence. That, yeah, of, that know. it is known. Um, the strange thing is, is that she just, she didn't come home the night before. So technically, she hasn't been seen since 9-10. Your mind makes the connection. Well, she lived, you know, a thousand feet from ground zero. She probably ended up somehow in the towers when they fell, but there's so much more to the story than that, and uh, that that's what made me listen to six episodes of the podcast in the last like 24 hours. Yeah, this this is exciting for me. I really, really enjoyed Missing in Alaska. I've really enjoyed Missing on 9-11 so far. I have a lot of questions for John. Uh, there's so much to this process, and I'm stunned I wouldn't know where to start, Steve, 
on the information gathering portion of the two cases he's he's talked about. That's that's one of my first. Uh, I don't even know if it's a question for him, but just basically to say how that's <laughs> what a, do you do yeah how do you i mean i guess it is a question like how do you even start what's the first thing you do like you sit yeah. down with a pen and you're like all right i'm gonna investigate this yeah and for a lot of people that moment is kind of the os i give up moment because yeah you're talking about a case surrounded by one of the largest news stories in a lot of people's lifetimes sure information very sensitive, very sensitive topic yes Information quite literally buried under the Twin Towers yeah. that possibly pertains to this case. So, uh, yeah, a lot of questions for John Walzak. Let's talk to him, Steve, if we can get him on the line. Hey, good morning. Hey, is this John? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the one and only. How are you, John? It's the Stephen Kyle podcast. Uh, I'm doing well. I have some sludgy coffee, so I'm good enough for the morning. <laughs> Dude, your podcast has, uh, it's kind of like been all encompassing for me for the last 24 hours or so. I've listened to the first six or seven episodes and it's, it's so interesting. So interesting. Thank you. I appreciate it. L- let me ask you, John, because one of the things that's overwhelming to me, and we were just talking about this before we got you on. Regarding both of these cases you've done, missing in Alaska, now missing on 9-11, the information gathering portion of this looks overwhelming from the outside. How do you not just immediately see what you're presented with and say, well, there's no way I can do anything with this. Yeah. I give up. Yeah, because I think most people most people want to know the answer to to these two, I mean, mysteries that you're talking about. But 99.9% of us say... Man, I'd love to know what happened. Oh well, someone else will figure it out. What makes what makes you that someone else? Oh man, um, well, I, I read probably two, three, four hours a day, so I like to read. That helps. Uh, I like I'm kind of nerdy with archives, as you heard from the show. Yes. So <laughs> it's fun to it's fun to dig through stuff. Um, I think you just have to have a good eye for it. But I don't know. It's just a, a driving curiosity. But in terms of the amount of information, I mean, you hit it completely. You got it. I mean, it, it's. It, it, the production of these shows is really exhausting. It, it, we have a five, six person team, but I'd say probably 90% of the time is spent on research. Like I actually, I was thinking about this, this earlier. Um, if we do a, a third season, I'd really like to focus more on just, you know, the writing and the narrative arc and, and some of that. Cause I feel like we, we put so much into the reporting on the ground and into the research that, uh, you know, it, it <laughs> that's, 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 I, I, I basically, honestly, my honest answer, I just rely on caffeine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just being able to, because once you commit to it and once you get those first couple hours of research in, then it probably sinks in like, all right, I'm kind of invested now and I have to keep trying to find this, you know, needle in the haystack or whatever you want to call it piece of information that's going to connect all these dots. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you, you go through thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of information and, um, you know, I mean, there might be one line that matters. So you might spend a, a week going through documents, but the one line actually, you know, or a, a name. So like for Missing in Alaska, for example, the main story arc, what we really uncovered about the bombing allegation, that was something that came to me because I 
read about somebody in an obscure place mentioned once I reached out to them, they put me in contact with somebody else. And then that person told me about the allegation. So it's kind of, they're really, there's such complex cases that if you don't do that, you're not going to find anything new. Um, But you know, like you said, (laughs) it's, it's very exhausting and and yeah, you're, you're driven. I mean, it's, it's, it's all consuming for, for a long time. I did, people don't see the amount of work that goes into these shows, not just the research, but also on the production side, we have really amazing producers. Um, you know, but that I, that's what I, I end up, I find such like odd, bizarre little tidbits. I, I like throwing them into the, into the shows, but that's just through literally thousands of pages of reading. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the exhaustive nature of the research and the production level of what you do, because I'm glad I, I feel like I need to berate you. You put yourself <laughs> behind an eight ball, John. You picked cases from 50 years ago in, in the plane crash for missing in Alaska. And then you picked a case surrounding one of the largest international stories of most people's lifetimes in 9-11. Yeah. Have you ever thought about, you know what, season three? I'm going to give myself a layup. I'm going to pick, <laughs> I'm going to find one from six months ago. Yeah. That's fresh in everybody's yeah, mind. My, my neighbor's dog Scruffy ran away. <laughs> yeah. Where is he? Missing on Elm Street, John. That's what season three needs to be. You know, honestly, um, yeah, it's something I, I've thought about. So like, I, I just, I read so much that over the years I've, I've built this like two or three page list of. Uh, stories that just really fascinate me. And I, I always return to that when I'm thinking about what to do as a, as a full length show. Um, and it's pretty rare that something really jumps out to me that much, but I'll tell you what I have considered is something on a nice tropical Island. I don't know if I heart will sign off on missing in the <laughs> South Pacific, but <laughs> right. yeah. Look for uh, what is it? MH 370. The, uh, the Malaysian <laughs> yeah. airline. Yeah. 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 Be- yeah. The, 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 the Maldives will be a nice place to go base myself for the next year. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so what what was it about this? Like, do you remember when you first heard the story of Sneha Philip and said, oh, that sounds like it could be a good, uh, you know, a good story or a good at least something for you to investigate a little bit further before committing to it? Like, what was it about this story? Um, I mean, it's just it's such a fascinating story. And these these stories are really interesting because they're uh, there's they're so they're difficult i mean the, the thing about our show is i think we frustrate people sometimes because sometimes we find really incredible information and a lot of it comes from people who listen to the show uh but other times we don't and we're honest about it so you know we we tackle these really difficult cases in basically in real time and i mean honestly I, i'm still scripting this show so versus i i think there's there's kind of a appetite for something in between really like elitist heady you know encyclopedia uh type stuff and right. and like garbage reality tv there's there's a middle space and i don't really think many people fill it and i think the podcast 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 space fills it pretty well um because it because of the format uh because it, it gives you the time to to dig in and um you know i mean it, it I, with this case in particular, 9-11 has always interested me. I was, uh, you heard me say on the show, but I, I turned 13 three days before 9-11. Yeah. So um, I really came of age during right after 9-11 sure. and during anthrax and the Bush years and the Iraq and Katrina and, and the financial collapse and everything. And um, so 9-11 had a big personal impact on me. Uh, as far as Sneha, I 
remember reading about her maybe like 15 years ago and she stuck with me all this time hmm. she's okay. such an interesting character and she's someone that when i was thinking huh okay well what do i do for season two it's, it's, it's such a fascinating story um i, I don't know she's, she's 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 haunted me for a long time to to say that this story has a lot of layers would be an understatement in terms of Sneha's fit, personal life, her work life, surrounding 9-11, living feet away from the World Trade Center. Are there any of those items that you didn't either know about or weren't fully aware of going into this? I mean, there's some definite tension, I guess, is the term I'll use when you read and hear a lot about her, her ex-husband and the family and how they reacted after all of this happened was there anything of that that you had no idea about going in that you're like oh no this is a whole nother branch to this tree that i now have to dive into oh yeah absolutely so i mean that's part of the fun of the show and, and the research for me if i knew everything going in i, I wouldn't have to do the research but um you know it, it's it's digging through a thousand pages of court transcripts and seeing a tiny detail about, you know, she was she wearing contacts or glasses? Uh, why was there dirt in the shower weeks later when she had been repotting plants? Like, did so-and-so actually come home? Um, did, did somebody tell the truth about when the last time that they saw her because they told multiple different stories to different people? So, um, yeah, I mean, there was a ton of new stuff. It In terms of how difficult it was, I mean, it was, it was really, really hard. I mean, we it's a very tough case. It's a case where very few people wanted to speak. So we really had to hunt people down. Um, and then in terms of the logistics versus missing in Alaska, we were on the ground in Manhattan uh, in January and, and earlier this year. So at the height of COVID. So that just added another layer of complexity to, to the reporting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still, and, and you know, the main thing though is we asked for people's help. And I, I felt like it, it, with Michigan, Alaska, I didn't want it to seem like a gimmick. And it really wasn't. I was amazed always at the, the level of detail that uh, people notice in the show and that they bring to the show. Because, you know, for example, like I, I had looked for probably eight years for uh, these ham operators who heard this mysterious radio communication the day the plane disappeared for season one. And I couldn't find any of them. I thought they were all dead. And then somebody, it was a couple uh, listening to the show in Wyoming, I think, and they they were like, oh, that that name that he mentioned, is that, you know, old Joe who worked on on our house? And it was. And so they found <laughs> this this guy <laughs> in a retirement so home in, in, in Wyoming. So oh. I think that's that's the thing. I, I, I push as far as I can personally and, and we can as a team. Um, and then we we legitimately turn it over to the audience. And, and I've been surprised how helpful everybody's been. I was just going to ask you because I love how interactive the podcast is where you I mean, you at the end of every episode, you assign homework. But you also talk about like midway through the podcast, you'll say, all right, pause, go to YouTube, type in this, type in that to pull up specific videos so a viewer or so a listener can really visualize exactly what you're talking about. But I was going to ask you with that homework, how effective is it? It seems like you just answered my question, though, like you you get some really good leads from your from your tip line and from the email. Yeah, absolutely. So um I will say it was so effective with season one that I made the homework assignments <laughs> for season two extremely specific. And yes, we still feel yes, you have. Yes, you <laughs> so, have. Did you so, work you know, at, I believe one of the ones where you asked, did you work at the department store that she yeah. was last seen? And I thought, oh, if he gets this, you might as well just 
have him just ask a question like, hey, who killed JFK? <laughs> because he'll just somebody will send in the tip the following yeah. week. Like, oh, everybody knows. That was, yeah, uh, that was yeah. old Bob. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting. So even though this season they're much, much more specific, it's because we got a, such a flood of responses last time. It, it was I, I always I also I mostly try to respond either personally or, or have one of our producers respond to everybody because I really appreciate everybody who listens. Um but it, it was so effective last time that I was like, man, I got to make this really specific this time. And still, we still get such a flood of, of contacts. So, for example, yeah, like you said, you're talking about the department store Century 21. Um, another example. So there was a lead of maybe she went to Victoria's Secret or Jones, New York after Century 21. So mm-hmm. one of the things I asked, like, did you work in the security department of Victoria's Secret in 2001? And you know, it's amazing because I have heard some people and um you know, one other thing I asked, which was just uh, an episode or two ago, was, uh, do you know anyone who faked their own death? And I've already heard from two people who yeah. actually have told me these really compelling, fascinating stories that have nothing to do with this particular show. But it's just it's so interesting. And so the fact that I can put out a question like, "Have do you know anyone who's faked your own death or have you faked your own death? And that's yeah. like, oh, of course, like, you know, that's that's, that's ridiculously specific. And, and we get these uh I, I was like, are we, we're actually getting answers from people. So, um, yeah, no, it, it's it's worked out really well. And I, I feel like at a certain point, I've done as much as I can with the story, and I kind of turn it over to the audience. The one thing that I had to keep reminding myself while I was listening to the podcast is that I had to listen to it with my 2001 ears on, not my 2021 mm-hmm. ears on, because I kept thinking, like, man, this. I mean, if this happened today, I feel like it would be so much easier to solve because we're so much more connected and they'd be able to pull up like, oh, yeah, well, uh, Sneha was on her iPhone while she was at Starbucks on the corner of 54th and 8th at this time. But it it was it was very strange to be even though it was only 20 years ago to try and listen to it with those ears. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the fascinating things about this story and about 9-11 in particular is that it was such a turning point in so many ways. So obviously 9-11 was a turning point, but um, in terms of technology, I mean, I I think about, like you said, even in terms of 9-11, generally not just this case, what would what would our view into 9-11 be had it happened five years later? It would be insanely different. It would be so much different. You, you'd, you, you know, if, if the cell towers didn't go down, you'd have people posting from the upper levels of, of the towers. Like, oh, yeah, there, there's there's such a limited photographic record from inside the towers. They're, I mean, I, I tracked down all the images and all the videos that I could find. It's extremely limited. And it is a really just fascinating thought process to say, well, what would it be like if it happened today? How would we view it in real time? What would the historical record be? And then, like you said, you know, as we go further into the 21st century, you start to run out of these these mysteries, because even though this was only 20 years ago, um, you know, and I, I'm I'm 32, so I'm young, but I, I'm becoming a, a crusty old man slowly. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, it, you know, I, I obviously I clearly remember 9-11, even though I was a kid. And yeah, I mean, we're, what would we have today? We would have Alexa recorded her at 10 7 a.m. Yeah. and she logged into Gmail at this time. And, and so it, you know, it, you almost, I don't want to say you lose the wonder of mystery as you move further along into this century because other people suffering, I, I really try hard to, to empathize with families and not just use people as like pawns for entertainment. Mm-hmm. 
but you do you do lose those mysteries. I mean, that's MH370 was incredible because the fact that something like that could happen in uh, was it 2014? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I what, what would we know now? I mean, you know, another example of that is is surveillance footage. Um, so you have oh, a gosh, few yeah. a few frames of her at Century 21, and it's it's really fascinating. But what would you have today? I mean, she'd be caught on somebody's ring camera she'd she'd be they, the, the detective at the time and her husband had to sit there for weeks frame by frame like looking through this grainy footage for her oh so it's just it's fascinating you know one of the things that i'm so curious about is how do you brace yourself how do you prepare yourself to talk to family friends people who knew somebody involved in a tragedy like this it takes a special kind of nuance john to get you in the mind frame to do that i have to imagine yeah it's it's difficult so you know i started my career as a print reporter at a newspaper in north carolina um Asheville citizen times if anybody's listening Asheville, <laughs> but <laughs> but um so i was a general assignments reporter and uh, a crime reporter and honestly i hated it i i had amazing co-workers i was very blessed to to have that job but Part of that job is reaching out to families of crime victims. Um, I remember, uh, and, and just re- weird cases too. I remember uh, reaching out to a mother of a, of a kid who was 15 who was killed. I remember um, I had to interview a man who he had just proposed to a woman and then she was struck by lightning on a mountaintop oh, and killed. And so it's, I, I, I hated, I hated doing that stuff. I believe it or not, I, I despise conflict. <laughs> I also hate, I also hate hearing my voice recorded. And, uh, <laughs> Jeez, so I, son, I, you, you know, really I, picked the wrong career, man. <laughs> yeah, man. What are you doing? But, but, uh, but I love investigating and I love hearing people's stories, but, um, no. And so, well, think, think about this. So on top of it being families and friends of a possible nine 11 victim, I mean, it's a very complex case. She was a very complicated person and many of them didn't want to talk. So a lot of them are, they just don't work with reporters or they're, so you add in on top of the sensitivity, sensitivity to the tragedy, just a level of hostility, um, which is under completely understandable. I, I would probably feel that way uh, in, in their shoes. So I try to empathize, but no, I, I just, I kind of brace myself. It's probably, you know, I, I, <laughs> I joke on the show, but um one of the things I did was really look for her in any kind of photos, videos, uh, any evidence from 9-11. Um, and to be locked away in a little a- apartment during the COVID death winter, like staring at thousands of images of yeah. uh, 9-11 and <laughs> probably not the, the best uh, thing for my mental health. But um, I I don't know. I, I, I that's, that's the part of it I don't like. I don't I, – I really, really feel for these people truly. Yeah. I, I – I, I like iHeart as a creative partner because they've always given me that leeway to be, um, to just see it through as I want. They've never pushed me to manufacture anything or to go in a certain direction. They've just said, do what you feel comfortable with. And if they didn't, I would, I wouldn't work with them. Um, because I, I wouldn't sell my soul for a podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, we're talking <laughs> you know? to John Walzak. He hosts missing on nine 11 new episodes, Wednesdays from iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast. John, you remain really objective throughout the whole uh, podcast, I think. I mean, for the most part, at the beginning, episode one, you basically set up four possible scenarios for what could have happened to Sneha Phillip. Um, A couple of them are pretty quickly eliminated. 
what do you think happened? Like, if you had to put your money on it, what happened to her? Especially in the time from late on 9-10 to early morning 9-11. Well, I'll say this. So the immediate reaction, I think, when people don't know much about this case is that, well, of course it's 9-11. Yeah, like, that, that's exactly know, what I thought. When I first it, heard it, the commercials for... Uh, for your podcast, I was driving into work one morning and I heard the I heard a, a promo for this and I thought, well, pretty obvious what happened. She she died nine eleven. Yeah, it, it, and that's a completely understandable. I mean, that you know that's probably I don't remember, but that probably was my reaction too. But the first thing to know is that nine eleven is much less likely than it seems, and that's something that I'll get into in a future episode. But uh, if you look at studies of where victims were when they died, if you look at um, you know, the idea that there are no witnesses who recall seeing this civilian doctor in a brown dress and sandals 5-2 running into the towers. Like, mm -hmm. it, it just, if you really dig into it, I, it, it doesn't make as much sense as it seems. And certain other things make more sense. So the two that immediately don't make sense to me are um, suicide because there was no body and uh, foul play at the hands of a stranger. Because a random act of violence at that time, especially where she was in Manhattan, which was very, very safe, uh, the NYPD pre precinct where she lived had a single non-9-11 murder that year. Um, oh, so wow. those, two, those two don't make sense to me at all. Mm -hmm. um, as for what makes sense to me, I mean, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I mean, obviously, I have thoughts, but I, I try to leave it to the audience. Sure, I, I think 9-11 yeah. makes some level of sense, obviously. Um, the idea that she ran away also makes, I think, a lot more sense than you would initially think. So it's it's something that's really crazy to think about because of 9-11, but it's something I say in the show, which is take 9-11 out of it. People keep saying, well, how could she do that to her family? How could she just, how could she just disappear? I mean, thousands and tens of thousands of people do it every single year. There are tens of thousands of families around the country and around the world right now whose loved ones are alive and they don't know where they are. Um, so I, I don't think that theory is as crazy as, as people think she was the thing that makes her in this case, interesting is, is who she was as a person. She was such a fascinating, really brilliant by all accounts, artistic, mm -hmm. um, a, a doctor, just really complicated, very uh, fierce and strong and independent. Um, she seems like someone that you'd want to have a beer with. And that's what makes it really interesting because when you learn the context of who she was as a person, what was going on in her life, um, what she was thinking, and then uh, why, for example, 9-11 doesn't make as much sense as you would think, you start to let your mind wander. But I'll also say this. If I legitimately thought 9-11 was 100% the answer, I wouldn't manufacture a show out of that. So I, I really don't know. And I've looked at it now for very heavily for a year or so. I really that's one of the things I like to do is just leave it up to people, because, you know, some of the feedback that I've I got for Alaska uh, before we launched, before it, I uh, worked with iHeart was what's the ending? What's the ending? What's the ending? Like nobody wants to listen to a show unless you def have a definitive <laughs> right. ending. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes you can get very close. Right. So you can say we found this. This is much less likely. This is very possible. And then I, I really didn't. I thought that feedback was crap because people love stories without endings. That's just the story. Yeah. Those are the stories that they, they love the most. And, you know, I, I, I don't think 
I'm any smarter than the audience. I think people are really, really intelligent and people come to different conclusions. How do you balance your skepticism? And and I am not putting words or thoughts into your mouth or brain. For me, though, listening, I get this sense, this uncomfortable feeling whenever I think about the interactions with Sneha's brother. Mm-hmm. They... You mentioned it multiple times how some of his statements don't line up. Oh, the one that he gave to the news was to the news, completely fabricated. Right. And then you, you mentioned how he denies talking to the police, yet there's NYPD records saying that he did talk to the police. Have you been more nervous going into an interview that, you know, was not being recorded? Have you been as nervous going into one of those? Uh, I do those very rarely. So typically I wouldn't do it, but he was a very important interview to get. Yeah. Um, I'm not nervous for my physical safety. I'm nervous to be fair. Um, I I really, I I couldn't live with myself if I just took someone whose sister disappeared and twisted it in in a way that I think uh, unscrupulous other people sometimes do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing is really to think it through in my head and say, am I missing something? Like I'm completely fine with pointing out inconsistencies and saying, you know, this person said this, but it, it doesn't make sense. Or I, I, they, they admitted that they lied, but is there a reason? Or, you know, one thing that you deal with, with both of these shows are people's memories. So could it just be that they legitimately don't remember? And I th- think you kind of weigh, you know, the amount of time and what it is you're asking them about, but. Yeah, I mean, it just, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's its nerve-wracking to meet new people. This was like it, the interview with John. I mean, it was at a cafe north of New York uh, during like the height of COVID. Um, I wasn't really going out too much. I mean, it was yeah. thousands of people dying every day. It was very grim winter winter day. But um, it's its tough because, you know, one of the, one of the things with this show. So on one hand, there are all these inconsistencies. And I you definitely have... I think a duty to ask about them. Um, but also I really want to portray Sneha and, and people in other shows too, as, as people, as I, I tell that to the families and and it's really true. I mean, I wish I could play home video of her. I wish, I wish I had more. I try really hard. And that's part of what makes it interesting is she's this unknown complex character and you're really trying to understand her because to get to the answer, you have to understand her. Um, but I, I try to just be fair, but at the same time, call bull right. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm care very, very, very careful with how I ask questions. And I'm also extremely careful with how I tell the story to one of the things that I, I really ask our producers when we, we look at scripts together is, is rip it apart is we, we have people on our team who are usually skeptics and, and people who take different approaches. And I really appreciate having the scripts before we, we air or mm-hmm. record ripped to shreds because sometimes I miss things sometimes. And, but together as a team, we usually do a good job. It's funny. The way I think about it, John is in, in the most recent Avengers movie, there's uh, an iconic (laughs) scene where Dr. Strange holds up one finger and he says, you know, one out of 14,000 scenarios, does this go well? I look at that as you walking in to talk to the brother of somebody who went missing on September 10th or September 11th. There's not many scenarios there where you can come out winning. It's going to be, if anything goes sideways, who's going to point the finger at a relative of somebody who, who presumably yeah. passed away on 9, 10, or nine eleven, and he can just sit there and say, 
he was poking and prodding into the personal life of somebody who died. Mm -hmm. And there you are. There's John Walzak. John (laughs) Walzak, the dickhead. There he is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it's completely fair. And you know what? That's it's fair to hear that from anybody, because if you're going to go out one of these stories and like you said, it's somebody who presumably presumably died on 910 or 911 and you're going to dig into their life. Well, what's what's the purpose? What's the reason? And that's. That's getting at if if I really purely fully thought 9/11 was the answer, um, I wouldn't manufacture doubt. I, I just I just wouldn't have done the story. Yeah. So I think the other way to look at it is there are very serious people in this case, um, detectives, judges who have really serious doubts. Some of them spoke to me on the record. Some of them spoke to me off the record. Um, but it's not just me. And so I think if you look at well, we're trying to figure out what happened to Sneha. There's a a genuine real question what happened to her what what could be a likely scenario and i think for example to rule out the idea of violence uh a random violence um you start to say well okay well two or three possible scenarios and you think well even if you think 9-11 is the likeliest scenario one of the things with both of these shows is that there was a very likely scenario for the first one it was bad weather for the second it was 9-11 and because there were really likely answers uh, just obvious immediate answers there was a lot of investigative work that wasn't done that in any other case would be done um and so i think if there is an alternative explanation for her disappearance um i I think the nypd detective did the best that he could uh, given the circumstances but yeah you know and, and and in terms of of just like digging into somebody's personal life what what needs to be included uh, you know, there, there's I, I learn a ton that I, I don't put into the shows. And I ask myself, like, do you do you need to include this? Does all this nitty gritty detail about somebody's sex life need to go in? I mean, right. it would, people would be interested in it. But, yeah, it, w- it would be a, a dick thing to do. So I, I try to I, I try to be empathetic. I mean, I know it sounds cliche and stupid, but it's true. Well, his, uh, his name is John Walzak. He hosts oh. Missing. In Alaska, he also hosts Missing on 9-11, which we're talking about right now. New episodes available on Wednesdays. John, how many more episodes will there be in this season? Uh, so we're planning on 10 main and at least two bonus. But okay. I think for the first one, we planned on 10 and ended up with 17. So it all. <laughs> <laughs> right. what, what does John Walzak do? You spend so much time and you mentioned you've been working on this one for the better part of a year. What do you do to wind down? I mean, <laughs> I mean, this seems like it's so consuming and you've you now have learned so much about the life of someone that honestly, you've never heard her voice. You've know, never yeah. seen video of her, the way she walks nothing. You're so all consumed. What do you do when you're like, okay, it's time to put the paperwork down. What is John doing on a random night when he's done working or researching? <laughs> uh, man, um, honest answer. Like I don't stop for like a year and then I just collapse. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's usually like, get through, get through, like, like have to have the coffee sludge, you know, so, so we're, I'm trying to finish this one. And then at the end of this one, um, I'm renting a house with friends uh, at the beach in North Carolina. Um, but I, I try to take just time where uh, I just crashed at the end of the day. I mean, honestly, naps, naps are underrated. And it, <laughs> no, they I, are. I, I, yeah. Yeah. They are, you know, they are I, totally I, underrated. I take them all the time. Yeah. We'll put that on the poll for us this week too, on our social media pages on our naps underrated because that's, <laughs> that's a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 
I'm very blessed to do this. I've, I've only done this for two years though. So, I mean, I, before that I've had normal jobs. I mean, I've worked everything from a dog kennel to CVS to movie extra to all kinds of journalism, all kinds of stuff. So I, 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 I'll do this as long as they'll have me. And then I'll, you'll, you know, look for me at the local soup kitchen. Right. <laughs> so. are, are your friend, do, do your friends just hate you though? I mean, cause you said this consumed you for a year and now you're going to go rent a house with them when you're finally done with it. But are they just calling like, hey, John, what's going on on your, you know, how you doing this Saturday? And you just go into this long rambling note about <laughs> Sneha Phillip that they don't want to hear again. <laughs> yeah, especially this year with COVID. I'm like, what a what a great topic. Everybody's coming out of COVID. It's it's the summer. It's like, yeah, July 4th, we're free. And then I'm like, 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, you heard this fun story? Hey, guys, yes. want to hear about the sexual harassment claims against yeah. this? <laughs> like, no, John, no. <laughs> John, one more question before we yeah. let you go. Now that life is returning to normal, how good are you at best fiends? Oh man, um, <laughs> <laughs> woo, man! Uh, um, I, I collect all the cute and colorful characters. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Has it gotten to the point where that ad copy? No, I'm not saying you're reading it live every week or you're not, but that ad copy seared into your brain, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the one that I hear the most about is because it most, you know, everything else is kind of just normal. And then that people, people joke with me about that all the time. <laughs> hey, whatever it allows <laughs> to keep you doing what it is that you're very, very good at, John. Again, John Walzak, host of Missing on 9-11. New episodes everywhere you get your podcasts on Wednesdays. John, they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you have a thread, I believe, of where you're, you're dropping documents and stuff related to the podcast. Where is that that they can find you? Uh, it's at John Walzak, which is J-O-N-W-A-L-C-Z-A-K. Awesome. Please also, find him there. Uh, what is the, what's the phone number that, in case oh, you yes. have any information on anybody that, uh, that, that you've talked about in the podcast? Uh, it's one eight three three new new tips um, or people can email us at tips at iheartmedia.com. Awesome. John, thank you so much, man. This is a, it, it, this podcast, like I said, it's completely consumed me for the last 24 hours. And once we're done talking to you, I am going to listen to the two episodes I haven't listened to yet and then anxiously await Wednesday for the third, for the, uh, for the next episode. Okay. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate Thanks, it. John. Thanks, we'd love man. to, we'd love to talk to you again later on. I have so many questions about your path from the Asheville citizen times <laughs> to being this full fledged investigative podcast journalist. That's quite a journey, man. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to talk with you guys again. I always uh, appreciate the attention for the shows, um, and I, I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody who listens, really. I, I love the feedback, and there's somebody out there has the information, so everybody go listen to the show. Hey, if, if one of our <laughs> listeners tips you off, uh, we get full credit, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll, ha I'll have you guys on, on, on the show. Perfect. Yeah. I want to be right after the Best Fiends read. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about you read Best Fiends? Oh, oh my boy, God. That, what an honor. What? Oh, oh. <laughs> We are not. We are not going to let you go back on that offer. Okay. <laughs> Our lawyers will be in touch. John, it's been great. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. Bye. See ya. That was a lot of fun. Oh, I love it. I love it. That podcast, man. I'm like, I'm not just blowing smoke up his ass either. When I, um, when you first booked this, I had heard the the ads for this yeah. as I was driving into work one morning. I had also heard the ones for missing in Alaska. And I was like, man, that sounds really interesting. I never did listen to missing in Alaska, but now mm -hmm. I'm going to go back and do it. But, uh, you had sent a text the other day, maybe like on Wednesday saying, Hey, just a reminder to, you know, try and listen to an episode or two. And I was yep. like, yep. I had a, I had a reminder on my phone for Friday afternoon, ended up listening to one episode, uh, like half of an episode on the way home from work yesterday. And I was like, Oh boy, this is good. Listen to the rest of it. 
yesterday afternoon and then just went out in the garage. I was cleaning up some stuff last night and uh, kind of getting everything straightened up, listened to like three more episodes. And then I woke up this morning, got up early today so I could listen to two more. Yeah, it's, it's great. Good. And it it's he he mentioned it briefly, but I, and I feel the same way. Does every everybody hates the way they sound, right? Yeah, I think it's just uh, like in. I mean, in my case, I'm just used to not liking the way yeah. I sound because it's been 20 years. But yeah, I think that's a fairly common thing. Because I listened to John, I listened. I like I said, I I listened in live again. I'm not blowing. I listened to Missing in Alaska when this came out. I had started my new job in the office where I was listening to a lot of podcasts and stuff. I listened to it weekly as it came out, and I'm so glad he mentioned this. That story about how a, a listener tipped him off to the amateur radio operator. Yeah. It's such a fascinating saga that it actually worked out for him to be able to talk to that guy. Stunning work by John. Amazing help by the listening audience there. Uh, again, missing in Alaska, missing on 9-11. But I I love it. I absolutely love talking yeah. to the I mean, I, I don't know where to start. That's something I could never do. Right. No, like as I said, interesting it, uh, as it like, is. like I said, everybody wants to know the answer, but it takes a real special person to say, I'm going to be the one to find the answer or at least try to find the answer. I couldn't do that. He makes it sound so glamorous, too. And he's like, well, I pretty much worked nonstop for a year. Then I collapse and nearly die. Yeah. So, and then and then rent a house with my buds for a weekend and then back, back to, to the it. grind. Yeah. And I'll put that on the poll, too. Is it worth it to work nonstop for a year, collapse, die, but you get a house for a week? No. It's not. No. It's absolutely not. That is uh, oof. Um, yeah. I'd, I, I'd love to follow up with them. Towards the end of the yeah. season, when they're done with that, I'd love to talk yeah, to John. So a couple more episodes. Uh, you can get caught up. Missing on 9-11, missing in Alaska. Yeah. Uh, Steve, should we recap the polls here before we uh, end up getting yeah, out of here today? let's do that in one second. As soon as, I'm still trying to figure out the buttons over here. All the best and brightest have oh, these boy. same issues, though. It's not just, you know, it's not just us. No. No, not yet. Hold on. I got to wait for that to stop blinking. And then. Okay. Now, and Time to hey. see how wrong everyone else is. It's poll recap time. <laughs> Find the polls at Stephen Kyle on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm not going back and cleaning that up we'll either. Just, uh, I'm not going to edit that at all. Edit that in post. No, no, because now we've mentioned it, so I'd have to edit this too. Is it surprising that there were tech issues plaguing the show? Oh, come on. How fortuitous is that yeah, for a poll question? <laughs> See, the problem is I have to, because, eh, never mind. It's it, Nobody cares. Nobody cares. 83% of the audience said no. Yeah. Should not be surprising yep. whatsoever. It does not sound seem like an <laughs> NPR show. Oh, man. That'd there, actually there, be very good. There was some gnat sound in Missing on 9-11. Yeah, there was. There's a little bit. I sent you a clip of a different yep. po- and I'm not going to mention it because there's an equal chance I'll reach out to that guy and have him <laughs> right. on the podcast. I did. We sh- I, that should have been our go-to. I didn't ask John about that. We'll have to ask him that in the follow-up. Like, hey, what class did you go to? Yeah. They said you have to have a creaky car door, mm-hmm. crunchy leaves under your feet, and then yep. a knock on the door. Yeah. And then a slightly off mic. Hey, I'm John. Good to meet you. <laughs> You think they had to record it multiple times? Like, no, I was too on mic there. So I now need no, no. to. Yeah. I need to be way off mic. You don't understand. It's important. It's in the class. 78% of the audience said, yes, Nat Sound seems like an NPR Oof, show. That sounds good. And I believe lastly, last week, 
Is our audience filled with lawn mowing snobs? We had quite a fervor over the previous poll about how do you mow your lawn. Uh, I believe you had shamed Andrew Junk a couple yeah. of weeks ago because he had gone one direction. I forget if it was horizontal or vertical. He went horizontal. You had shamed him and called him poor, if I remember right. That sounds about right. He messaged us back. He had rectified oh, that yeah. situation. He, he, made it, he made it right. He made it right. And I said, uh, like, welcome to the winning team or something. Just outstanding. Um, 70. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Another runaway. 72% of the audience, Steve, said, yes, our audience is filled with lawn mowing snobs. That's it for the polls. Again, you can find those on Facebook and Twitter at Steve and Kyle. So next week. We got next a, week, a, another a, interview. Another interview. Is this our new thing now? Well, I don't have any more in the pipe. Um, Now that these were very difficult, but it also helps that the the two and presumably the third person that we're going to talk to next week have been very easy to talk to and communicate and plan this with. We're not working through any types of companies or PR people or anything. They're coming on. They're talking, as you heard, off the cuff, willing to have a fun fun conversation and just uh, be along for the ride, which very very much helps what we do here big thanks to john walzak again you can follow him at john walzak it's j-o-n-w-a-l-c-z-a-k he hosts missing on 9-11 he was also the host of missing in alaska didn't even get to ask him about the the probably the creepiest postcard i've ever seen in my life oh i haven't gotten to that you'll get to that um so many more things to ask john that i'd love to have him back on down the road all right at Stephen Kyle, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We got some new polls up there this week. And then we'll talk to you next week. That's it. See you you next got anything week. else? Hopefully, this recorded. Oh, God. It's going to be a shame.